Hello everyone, here is Daniel with another episode of our Ecom show and today I will talk to uh, John Terry and he's the founder or co-founder of Catonia and uh, he's based in Texas, USA. And before we jump into it, let me just mention, let me refer to one of our older episodes, episode 79, where I talked to Chris and Miriam the founders of Keto Chow. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. John is not the first person or founder with a keto company. And I think it's been really trending recently. It's a really interesting niche. So John, please share your uh, story and, and how did you come up with this idea to start this company? So it started a long time ago, actually. My mom, um, before she went back to school to become a French pastry chef, was a stay-at-home mom and always made a ton of really delicious food that, you know, was not always health-centered, right? My mom, you know, as a stay-at-home mom, we had plenty of chicken pot pie and, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and all the stuff that's delicious, comfort food. I mean, we're from, from Texas, so you know, mac and cheese, all that kind of good stuff. And I struggled with my weight a bunch growing up. I really kind of got it under control by doing sports in high school. I was a varsity football and wrestling and doing both of them at the same time kind of never let me have enough free time to gain weight. But when the uh, wrestling ended my senior year, by the time wrestling ended in February, by the time I graduated, I'd put on about 30 pounds. And I planned on going to LSU, which is uh, Louisiana State University here in the States. Um, and they're kind of notorious for fried food and beer. And so I was like, man, I am not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have a really hard time with this, especially, you know, I, I look at my parents, and they've both had, you know, they consistently throughout my life would try to they're like yo yo dieters, right? So they would try yeah. a diet and then lose a little weight, gain it all back. And and they showed me actually, originally, the thing this is embarrassing, but I found low carb through a book called the drinking man's diet. And it was basically like, hey, if you are, you know, you can eat steak, cover everything in butter. And as long as you're just drinking vodka and don't drink beer, because this is before like Trulies and hard seltzers really became a thing. It was like, you can stay skinny, even if you're, you know, drinking more than you probably should. And for a yeah. uh, university, I thought this, uh, this is my kind of speed. And so I got done uh, with the university. I went, worked for a major pharmaceutical company in the diabetes field, kind of got to really see what low carb dieting and ketosis and, and the real mm -hmm. science behind it was all about. And then fast forward about five years, I convinced my mom to try the diet. Uh, she lost 60 pounds and then started making a bunch of keto recipes. And eventually I, I just told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to quit my job. You quit your job and let's start a small business. We did back in 2018. We were uh, selling out of the back of the car at farmer's markets here in uh, in Katy. And we would sell out every weekend. So we, you know, we rented some commercial space and uh, and started selling to a local vendors. And then 
that started selling out every week. So we had to uh, basically, you know, we we're looking for ways to to scale the business and Amazon kind of looked like a, an opportunity. So we, right before we went to a big keto convention, we launched a product and then it coincided really well with, uh, with Prime Day and our coconut macaroons went to number one. And then we leveraged that to launch our keto baking mix, which is actually the product that last year we were able to get picked up by Walmart. And so now we're kind of pivoting because the uh, the food e-commerce space, specifically the uh, the keto food e-commerce space, it is brutally difficult. If you're looking for high margins, it's not the space for you. Mm -hmm. Cost per clicks are just astronomical, especially if you're selling products that are, you know, $12, $15, and then you're, you know, you're spending three or $4 on a click, you know, it can really, really eat up those margins. But the flip side of that coin is obviously that in the most competitive place in the world, if you can prove that you're worth your salt, you do have the opportunity of kind of bringing that knowledge to someone like a Kroger or a Walmart. And you can say, hey, look, me and my mom beat out this company that has $30 million worth of funding and 45 employees. And I would venture to say that it's because our products are better, not because I've got some I, I haven't figured out the secret sauce of Amazon. There are a lot of people who do it a lot better than me, but we kind of just fall on that, the quality of the products, and it's been able to kind of drive us to where we are. Amazing story. But I also guess that you can uh, sell these products uh, for a higher price than traditional food, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit more. And uh, at the moment, uh, what, what are your main uh, platforms where you get the revenue from? So you mentioned Amazon, I guess the, the major platform. Is there anything else? So we also sell on walmart.com. We have a Shopify account, but I'm going to be honest, I really only use, I pay the, I think it's whatever, 30 or $40 a month for Shopify so that I can be a verified account on Pinterest because they kind of have a program where if you sell through Shopify, you can get your blue check mark. And we've been, every, a lot of uh, my business strategy is just whatever we can get, I try to leverage to get other stuff. So we don't technically have enough people to be a influencer on any of the social medias. I, our biggest account is uh, Facebook and we have like 31,000 people, but that's not necessarily like blue check worthy. And we have about 5,000 people who follow us on Pinterest. And that's also not really necessarily blue check worthy, but they have kind of a program where if you have a Shopify, then you can get that blue check. And so we did that and then we're able to use that to get verified on Google. And uh, I'm still working on the Instagram and, and Facebook verifications. They are a little more fickle on who they'll give those to. But uh, but that's kind of the main, you know, biggest piece of the pie is Amazon. Smaller piece is walmart.com. And that's pretty much, we've got some other e-commerce. I hold Del Hayes, their uh, food line is their main grocery store. They've asked to bring us on to their e-commerce platform as well. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of, in the rush of doing all of the, uh, the Walmart stuff, that's kind of filtered down a little bit uh, on the to-do list. So we still haven't gotten that one set up. Can I ask you why you picked Amazon at the beginning as a, uh... Was was it the first platform? Yeah, yeah, Amazon was the first online platform. Why, why didn't you say that? Let's build a Shopify store because you know you could have done that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it would have been much easier retrospectively. Um, I would have owned my data. I would have been able to you know do much more in the in the realm of uh, of remarketing to people, and you know I can actually see what aspects of my of my listing are are I could A/B test stuff more effectively. Thankfully, now that we're 
uh, brand registered with Amazon, we have a little bit more visibility into that. Um, but I guess to, to circle back to the question, like why Amazon, I always like trying to do the hardest thing first. It's one of my strategies in, in pretty much everything in life. It's like, if you try to knock out the biggest uh, task, the most difficult one first, then all the rest of them will kind of uh, make it a little easier. Um, so that was, and also it's just the biggest, right? You know, as I say, Hey, you know, we're a small team. We can only put forward effort into one area. Like I'd rather be all hands on deck with Amazon. Uh, especially because the the big difference in my head is uh, Amazon, people go to Amazon, whether or not I send them there, right? Like if I, if you yeah. have a product on Amazon, the organic traffic can be a huge source of revenue. Whereas no one's coming to my Shopify unless I send them there with a, an ad basically. And I mean, yeah. you can do SEO, but it, it just, the SEO game takes a long time. Whereas yeah. I can make Facebook ads today. And also the delivery is easier, I guess, because Amazon has a huge infrastructure. Um, yeah. And FBA, I mean, the it's astonishing to me how much we see a sales dip if we go out of stock on FBA, because people just even even with uh, Deliver is our 3PL and they are, you know, they're great. They integrate to pretty much everybody and they, they do fairly quick delivery two or three days. And in the food space, people just they are phobic to that. They say, no, I want it here today. I need it here, you know, in four hours. And Amazon is like, sure, but everyone else cannot even get close. Yeah. Do you have same day delivery in Texas? In California and in Spain, in Barcelona, I had that and it was amazing. I remember. Yeah. we for So for Prime, I think it depends on how close you are to whichever fulfillment center. Like it's all, I think, contingent upon your location and how much inventory I yeah. have in their system. But yeah, we can, I can usually get a uh, same day delivery, maybe like an extra $2, but uh, always free next day for sure. Uh, how many products do you have at the moment? So we have two products that we're selling. We have one product that's fully developed. And then we have about 15 products that are just kind of recipes that need to be uh, industrialized, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. And so one of the things, one of our strategies, because it, it does cost quite a bit to bring one of these food products to market. So my new kind of strategy that we've got is we're just levering, leveraging our relationships with uh, the different buyers from places like Walmart, Kroger and stuff like that. And just having meetings with them and going, hey, you know, this is our catalog, right? We have 150 recipes. These 15 are first page on Google. Would you guys be interested in us developing a keto kolache or a keto croissant and then sending it to you? Because I, I really, I don't want to be in a position where I have a bunch of products that no retailers are trying to pick up. And I'm not trying to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing R&D for stuff that may never even see shelf space. So I figure, you know, yeah. cut the cut the middle part out and just ask them what they want. I guess these could help also increase your uh, your customer retention rate, the average order value and all of these things. Do you have any data how many people come back again and again to buy? So that uh, we have some some data from uh, from Amazon, but I'm not sure if this, this may be some part that, I, that we have to cut out because I, I back out the data or I used to be able to back out the data from Amazon and now they don't, they are more uh, stringent on letting you pull data out, but it's actually, it's not as, the returning customer rate is not as great uh, as I would like. 
Um, and yeah. I kind of have a, a hypothesis around that. Most people don't actually, I, I'm a, I'm a weirdo, right? Like I've been doing keto for 10 years. I'll probably be keto until the day I die. I also do intermittent fasting every day until about five or six o'clock. And then I'll stop eating, you know, four or five hours later. Definitely very atypical. Most keto dieters do it for anywhere between four weeks to 12 weeks. And then they're usually pretty ready to just get back into normal food. So we we see it's a lot of, you know, I see when I look at the each individual customer's purchasing pattern, sometimes what we'll have is somebody will buy for us from us for like, you know, that month to three month window and then stop doing keto for six, nine, 12 months. And then the next year they'll pick back up and, and buy a bunch and do kind of the same thing. Let's talk about Walmart. So how did this whole thing uh, started with Walmart? It's always you approaching these guys. They never, they never <laughs> meet you. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like chasing girls. If you think the girls are going to come to you, you are going to spend a lot of time alone. But so what Walmart did was they have a program called Investing in American Jobs Open Call, where basically they have, they allow you to get a 30 minute meeting with one of the buyers and you just kind of get to pitch them on your product. And uh, so what we did is we went in uh, to our local Walmart, found their current keto flour kind of just brought it home looked at it when we and then when we had our meeting with uh, with our buyer we baked their product made a loaf of theirs like they have on the on the uh, the packaging then we made you know our our kind of selling point on our bread mix is that it's more than just a bread mix you can use it for bread croissants pizza a bunch of different stuff so what we did is we just made a bunch of that different stuff so that we could um you know when we go hey this is the the stuff that you've got this is our bread and then here's also a pizza that we make and here are the croissants that we make and kolaches and morning buns and i imagine this uh, a little bit a little bit like in shark tank you just yeah. uh, stood there and And this is what we have. You can taste it. Yeah. Oh, well, it was actually even weirder because we we had um, we had to do everything virtual. So I'm like holding up a pizza like it looks great, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, so they couldn't taste it, right? Because it's no. a Zoom call, I guess. No, yeah. which is that's the big downside to uh, to COVID and, and all of the, the Zoom stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it's okay because uh, it's still they. They said, hey, you know what? Everything you're saying makes sense. We like it. Let's bring you to the next round. We basically waited three months. We had another kind of meeting where we went through uh, this time a little more nuts and bolts, details oriented. Hey, this is what a pallet looks like for us. This is how many packs come in a case, all the kind of nitty gritty stuff. And this is our price to you. And they said, okay, cool. You're approved. We're going to tell you exactly how many stores that you've got in about three months. And so that's kind of where we were at the very beginning of the year where they said, hey, you're going to be in 500 stores in this many states. Yeah. And so we, we've just been all hands on deck getting ready for that. How many Walmart stores there are in the US roughly? Like 4,200. Yeah, 4,200. And you will be in 500 of them. Yeah. Well, hopefully if... Uh, If our marketing plan goes right, I'd like to be in 1,000 or 2,000 by the end of the year. You know, the great part about having partners is that you can leverage their capacity, right? Um, my co-packer can yeah. make just shy of a million bags a week. So, you know, when you look at the, at the projected sales from uh, Walmart and you go, okay, so could we fulfill the orders if Walmart said, you know what, we're going to put you in every one of our 4,200 stores? Yeah. Um, yeah. We can. And actually, the, okay. yeah, oh, absolutely. And the cool part is that with our co-packer, because they have a, a massive, massive facility, you know, they could probably get it done in under a week. 
just because the you know bread mix in and of itself is not a crazy high volume item. It's it's not like cookies at the front aisle. So you don't have the the super high volume. And then with you know being a, a diet product as well, we don't even get the the crazy speed of sale that you would get from something like a regular flour. Because we're a niche inside of a niche. You not only have to like baking, but you have to be on the keto diet. It's the foot in the door, right? It's a great product. I love it. Super multi-use, um, makes delicious food, is totally keto compliant. Like there's a bunch of, of good things to say about it, but it also, I know that it is, uh, it's a, an entryway to get some of those more high volume products like our coconut macaroons in there. Because when I think about customers, right? Like we right now sell to a lot of people who are quite like my mom. You know, they're willing to bake. They're usually, you know, 45 or older women mm -hmm. who are cooking for their family and they're awesome. But I'd like to get more customers who are kind of like me in that, you know, I don't like cooking. I'm, I'm not a good chef. Uh, I completely leave all recipe development, all of that kind of stuff to, to my mom because she likes it, mm -hmm. she likes cooking and is good at it. I need something easy. And so one of our big focuses for typical millennial. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not going to cook. I need to open a bag and have the macaroons now. I'm the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, as we get into, we're, we're excited because the retail space in and of itself is just so much bigger for food. You know, when you look at, at e-commerce, food sales are growing, right? You know, there's a lot of people who are doing the, the DoorDashes of the world, the, the Instacarts, but I know a lot of people just like to go into their grocery store, pick their vegetables themselves, you know, be in there. And so we're excited to kind of be able to get that entirely new customer segment. Yeah, I, I agree. And probably food is the, the biggest uh, industry or niche, which is still offline and not really online. That is online food, of course. You can buy food online, but I think people usually buy food online if it's very exotic or expensive and they are okay to wait. But when it's, you know, not super high ticket, but something average or, you know, like normal food, then uh, you just go to the grocery or, or whatever, some store, convenience store, and you just get it. Yeah. And, and we think that also kind of when we were talking earlier about um, returning customer rates, I think that a lot of people use Amazon to try things for the first time. And then mm -hmm. they look and see, hey, is there a way that I can get this without having to constantly buy it from Amazon? One of the things I, I have teetered back and forth um, about whether or not we'll just completely take the products off Amazon once we hit shelves in Walmart, because I've had nightmares with Amazon, especially Amazon FBA. They have lost pallets of coconut macaroons multiple times and they, that you... They have zero concern for the fact that it's a perishable product and that if you spend 70% of its shelf life sitting on a truck, it basically, you know, it doesn't have any time to sell. And then I, Amazon has another fun feature that uh, if your product gets within 50 days of expiring, they send it back to you. So mm -hmm. I've had pallets that have gotten lost and then gotten found one day before they are sent back to me and Amazon doesn't care. You just kind of eat that expense. So I thought, man, it, I could probably make my life a lot easier just going straight retail. But I do know that there are those customers, like you said, who are like, ooh, I want to try something new. And if I can pick up a, a, a customer, I, I try to think of it as the lifetime value, especially if they can maybe buy one bag from me on Amazon for $13. And then they go and realize that they can get a bag at, at Walmart for seven or $8. And then they, uh, they go and, and we can really capitalize on having them there. So we think we'll 
despite all the Amazon's the most abusive relationship I've ever been in. And I, I, it makes me realize that there are definitely, you know, you can sometimes find lots of justifications to stay in abusive relationships. Definitely. And some of them are not real, right? So, uh, you <laughs> yeah. are just comfortable and yeah, it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. That is the truth. Yeah. And I, I still want to ask you, so how about Shopify? It's not a thing for you in the next, let's say two years, man. I'll be honest, it just hasn't, the conversion rates are terrible. I mean, I, I guess they're standard for Shopify, according to Shopify, you know, three to 5% conversion rates are fine. But so here's the, here's the rub on that. Anytime I send someone to Shopify, I know that that customer isn't buying from walmart.com or amazon.com. And so that sale isn't increasing my ranking on either one of those sites. And so even though I may make like, you know, 5%, 10% more on the sale because I'm not giving a huge chunk of it to Walmart or Amazon. I don't get any of the organic benefits from the search results. And so I just go, it, it might be a way to make wholesale work, right? Like you can order wholesale from, from us there, but then I'm running into the, the fulfillment issues with deliver isn't that great on case fulfillment. And so it probably just won't work through unless I can find another 3PL who, you know, and we've, we've talked about that because we have an appearance that uh, the home shopping network has asked us if we want to, uh, to come on and do like a 30 minute kind of infomercial type thing. And, uh, and we want to do that, but they have some, it's crazy. Uh, stringent restrictions are, you know, asking for a receipt and stuff, but deliver and Amazon FBA, they don't make any adjustments. They will, they do how they do. And if you need something adjusted, you can go to someone else. And so we're kind of trying to find a way to make the, make another 3PL work. But for right now, I don't see Shopify in our future for yeah. a while. Yeah, probably if you grow bigger as a brand and you are in Walmart, you are on Amazon. I heard this a lot from other founders who are on Amazon or Walmart that people search for it online. Uh, if you have a solid brand and if you have a Shopify store, they will find it and maybe they will buy there. If the price makes sense as well, maybe if they get some extra value, uh, I think it's worth to try when uh, you build a you know big brand and people can find it. On the other hand, I talked to many, many Amazon founders and others who are in Walmart or Target. And it's very rare that somebody is successful on those platforms and Shopify as well. And uh, it's really interesting. It's just two different universes, probably. I also have a thought that's like, have I trained my audience to be accustomed to Amazon only? Because it, it, it's what it, it kind of feels like, you know, a lot of, especially in the beginning, all of my marketing was pushing towards Amazon. And once you kind of condition somebody to think mm -hmm. Amazon, Katonia, yeah. it's, it's hard to get them to make that switch to, oh, well, why am I buying from Shopify now and waiting longer? And, you know, I can't give them a, I can't give them that crazy of a discount for going to Shopify. So it just seems like they're like, eh, I'll just stick with Amazon. Yeah, I think it's definitely a thing that you train them, your customers. If you are on Shopify, you have to do something extra. And there, there must be a reason why they buy there. And probably not just the price, but something else like community or info products or, or recipes, maybe, you know, something that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and you know, like 
I try, we try to build a, as much of a community as we can. Um, on, we've got a Facebook group that we share recipes with. Um, I'm always trying to think of better ways to, uh, to get the community vibe going. We're actually going to try releasing a, a podcast of our own. So you, you might get to see a, a different side of this white background with, uh, with a little I, more. I thought that this is a war, by the way. <laughs> but it's <laughs> not. That, that is, is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> well, I, I had a, a buyer. So like I, I, the rest of the room, like when I don't have the little fake wall up, it's very, it's decorated like a musician studio. Cause that's okay. the, that's kind of the vibe. And I had a, a, a discussion with a, the U S trade association. And one of their uh, reps was like, Hey, cause we were talking about expanding into uh, Amazon Canada. And he was just like, Hey man, I know that like, you're from Texas and like the whole guns thing is cool in Texas, but like Canada's a lot more like Europe and they're not as into like big posters of AR 15s on the wall. And I was like, you know, there might be something to that. So, uh, so we went and, and got the, the fake wall for it. Wow. <laughs> on the other hand, I heard a lot about, uh, Texas hospitality or Southern hospitality. That's the phrase. Yeah. yeah we, you know, I think that you try to be nice to everybody. The cool part, Houston is a, a very uh, diverse place. And so you just, everyone kind of gets along, right? You know, you learn that it's like, we all have a lot of differences, but you know, we're all humans and just doing nice stuff. Like all you have to do is open the door and smile and most people will like you. Maybe that's, I don't know. I've, I've lived in Texas or Louisiana for most of my life. So I, I'm pretty immersed in the, uh, in the just, kind of that culture. Thank you, John, uh, for sharing your story today. And uh, if anyone wants to find uh, Catonia products, uh, you can go to Amazon or you can go to Walmart as well. We're going to call it Is Vodka Keto? <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Okay, good. So, well, you know, like, so I'll be honest, I, I, and I'm, I never know whether or not this is a good idea for branding, but I, I kind of try to lean on authenticity. Me and my mom are we're, we're kitchen so. people. And so we swear and we drink wine and we're, we're normal, regular people. So we figured kind of have it be an uncensored, like look at, hey, yeah. how to do keto. I also have an idea and I don't know if I will do it at some point because this podcast is the Ecom show, but I thought about one podcast name and the different podcast and it would be named uh, The Drunken Marketer. Actually, I don't drink much, but it would be so funny just to be drunk or something or pretend and we just talk about business and marketing. I th think that would be very funny. We, it's just an idea. We tried to do the first episode of Is Vodka Keto Drunk? We were like, oh, we'll do the first episode as like a tasting of keto wines. And it was the worst comp. Like you're listening to it on headphones and all you hear is like, <laughs> people are going to hate this. We can't do yeah. it. It's not yeah. going to work. Yeah, probably on YouTube. Try it on YouTube. Yeah, there, there's some people the who visual are visual is important there. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, John. And thanks everyone who listened to us today or later, the recording. And every week we come with a new episode. So uh, stay tuned, everyone. Thanks a lot again. Daniel, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you.